0: Good morning, one and all. It's good to have you all here this morning. I'd like to welcome all my online, the all online listeners and our family members there. Um, this morning, I want to talk about uh, transformation, or reformation. So I want you to think about that this morning. So I'm going to start off by um, focusing on our hearts this morning. So I want you just to think about that. The Bible says, "Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks." It also says that the "'Heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. "'Who can know it?' Jeremiah 17, 9 to 10. Um, So just thinking along those lines, I'm not saying that you're all evil people out there, but this is the, the nature of our heart when it is unleashed on its own. I just want to ask you a question, what's in your hearts this morning? As you're sitting there listening, what is in your hearts? What is on your mind this morning?' Uh, what do you love, what do you treasure, what do you desire and what are you thinking about at this very moment? We're in church, it's a Sunday morning, we come to worship God but most of us are like the rest of us and I know sometimes you sit up there and your mind is that far from God, it's not funny. So I want you to say, where's your heart this morning? In the worship, where was your heart? Were you worshipping God this morning? Or were you saying, not this song again? Or how long is this going to go for? Or, you know, and don't, don't get me wrong because I'm preaching to myself as much as anyone. These things and these thoughts go through our mind. But we are to bridle our mind. We bring it into subjection to Jesus Christ. Amen? So that's our duty. God's not going to do that for us. So if you're sitting there wandering and your mind's going somewhere else... That's your job to bring it back in and focus back in on what's being said, what's being done and who and why you're here for. Amen? Amen? So as people we're always longing for something. We desire things, we strive for things, we aim for things. That's our old nature. We want things. We think, oh yeah, if I just got that new car over there, I'd be happy. <laughs> yep. That big Ferrari that you know, these people that drive around, yep. If I got one of them, I'd be happy, you know. If I had a bigger, better house, yeah, all my worries would be finished, I'd be happy. If I got a better job, more paying money, all the troubles would go away. Like, Is this human nature? We think the more we get, the more we want, the more we want, the more we even want more. I mean. We never seem to reach that place where we're content and happy. Do you I find mean. that? Even when you achieve that car, when you achieve that house, when you get the big paying job bringing in the big dollars, you know, when your table is laden with all the food you can ever want or hope to have, you're still not... There's a discontentment on the inside. There's still a longing on the inside of you. Because the material things of this world will not satisfy that God-shaped vacuum that is inside each one of us. There is a place that we were created where only God can dwell. And amen. And unless God is in that place and on that throne in your heart and in your life, you will never, ever be satisfied. God wants you to have all those things. But if God isn't on the seat and the throne of your heart, those things will bring you nothing but trouble, nothing but despair, nothing but discouragement, and nothing but you just feel wasteful. You feel alone. You feel unfulfilled because. God is the only person that can satisfy that need. The list goes on. You know, Pastor Jeff often speaks about, he says, there's no such thing as a spiritual void. This is what he's talking about when he says to us, there's no such thing as a spiritual void. Because there is this place in your heart, in your soul, in your spirit, that only God can fill. Now, my question to you is, if God isn't sitting on the throne of your life, And just a little exercise while you're sitting there listening intently to what I'm saying. Just make a mental list in your head of all the things you want and desire in life. Just a quick mental run through. Is God at the top of that list? Has God even entered that list? This is what I'm talking about. So when Pastor Jeff says that there, there's no such thing as a spiritual void and if God isn't filling that, that space inside your spirit that is meant for him, something else is. And as good as it may be, and all these things are good, it's great to have a good-paying job. It's great to have a home over you, a shelter over your head. It's great to have food on the table. God wants you to have all those things, and in themselves they are great things and good things to strive for. But if God is not on the throne of your heart then these things become the spirit that dwell in that place where God should be. And they begin to take over you as a person and they begin to control you. And some people are sitting there looking at me saying, what's she going on about controlling me? What's wrong with having all these things? Nothing. But I want you to take you to Matthew chapter 12 and reading from verses 43 to 45. And Jesus is speaking and he said... When an unclean spirit goes out of a man, he goes through dry places seeking rest and finds none. Then he says, I will return from which I came. And when he comes, he finds it empty and swept and clean. This is the house. This is the temple of the Holy Spirit. This is your body that he's speaking about. Then he goes and takes with him seven other spirits more wicked than himself, And they enter and dwell there, and the last state of that man is worse than the first. So it shall also be with this wicked generation. Jesus is talking about a man, but this applies to a group of people, this applies to a city, this applies to a nation, this applies to the world. If you want to get God off the throne in whatever your situation is, if God isn't on the throne, then it opens up a way for all these wicked spirits to come in. And some of you might be saying, what's all this spiritual wicked spirit talk? Like, it sounds a bit airy-fairy, but I want to tell you, about our brothers and sisters of the First Nations people and other cultures around the world are so in touch with the spirit world that it's not funny. They know what spirit beings are. They believe in the spirit world. And us Westerners are a little bit airy-fairy and it all sounds like something of Harry Potter or something that's not real. Well, I want to tell you that this is real and fair dinkum. If God isn't on the throne, then something is ruling in his place. And believe you me, as we read in this chapter 12 of Matthew, it states that when That spirit goes out of man, he wanders around, but then he will come back and he will bring seven other spirits with him. In other words, more than one, more than one. You know, um, have you cleaned up the garage or the room, a room in a house or a house? Many of us have. You know, when things are in chaos and upside down and you know that room's full of junk and you know that if someone came and looked at, looked inside that room they'd shake their head in disgust or, you know, you don't want to t- show people that Ferrari you've got in the shed because everything around it detracts from the Ferrari. But it's like a weight on your shoulders, isn't it? It's like this weight that you carry around because in your mind you want to get that orderly, you want to get it sorted, you want to get it cleaned up. And so what do you do? You go in there eventually... You con yourself into it and you clean it up and you throw stuff out, you might sell some stuff, you give stuff away and you go through and you get rid of everything that isn't of any value or use to you anymore and you literally clean it up. And then how do you feel? You feel great. This weight's gone. Finally, the room is in order. You feel great. How does it look? It looks fantastic. You know, the Pharisees looked fantastic, didn't they? You know, they were always, they knew every scripture off by heart. They were always saying their prayers. They were making it known out in front of people what what they were doing. And all they were doing was following the letter and following the law. But on the inside, they were full of corruption because that space on the inside of them did not have Jesus there. Jesus was not there. And that room, as good as it looks, who knows, because I'm one of them, it looks so good, but unless you maintain it, It doesn't stay that way. So, what do you do? You walk in and you drop all your books because the table's clean. So, what do you do? You put all your things on the table in the room and you add this to it. And then you say, oh, there's a space out there. I'll put this in there. And before you know it, that room has more junk and things in it than it had before you cleaned it out. Because now it's orderly and it's cleaned up. So, there's much more space to put things you know, and there's a, they say that an alcoholic, a reformed alcoholic, cannot touch any alcohol or liquor, any liquor after he is reformed because if he does, he will go back ten times worse than he was before. This is what Jesus is talking about. You know, the Bible even says that you're better not to have known about the scriptures if you turn away from them. You, you're worse off than the fellow that hasn't even heard the scriptures. So this is what we're talking about. And yes, demons are real. Yeah. And I just want to go through a few things. One, spirits cannot be killed, they're immortal. They're not constrained by space. And more than one spirit can be in a person at a time. And we see that in the story of the Legion, and you can look this up yourself if you're taking notes, in Matthew 8:28 to 34. Spirits are unclean, they are evil, their nature is corrupt and wicked. So even these so-called good things, getting a bigger job and a better house and all that, if God's not on the throne, they can become wicked. They are wicked. Everything they touch becomes um, like they are. They become vile. It becomes vile because it becomes the prince of your life. The prince demon in your life is just get, get, get. And we can see that in the Beatitudes, the opposite of that is to be pure and clean. And the Beatitudes say that blessed is a pure in heart for he shall see God. And you can look at the Beatitudes in Matthew chapter 5. Demons, they need a physical body to operate through. So when you give yourself over to these things, then you are giving yourself over to the devil. So he can then operate through you. He can speak through you because he's operating on you. They control how we think and reason. And you can read about that in Mark 9, 14 to 29. Remember the young boy that was dumb and mute and Jesus cast the demon out of him? And then he was able to speak. That demon was controlling that young boy. Demons, they are powerless and must bow at the name of Jesus. The word is, of God is powerful and they must leave. Romans 14, 11 says that every knee shall bow and every tongue confess the lordship of Jesus Christ. A demon cannot stand against the blood of Jesus Christ. It cannot stand against Jesus any way whatsoever. So if you feel yourself in trouble and people have seen demons physically, with their eyes, speak the name of Jesus, declare and say, get out in the name of Jesus, I rebuke you, foul spirit, and it must go because it cannot stand in the the presence of God. Demons, they are restless, always roaming around, they never find rest and peace. Now, when we're pursuing these things in life and we're never satisfied, that's because we're we are pursuing these things in life without God on the throne. You're never satisfied. You're roaming around. Nothing's ever good enough. You still want more. You still want some more. And you can read about that in Job 1 and verse 7 where the Lord asks Satan, and where have you come from? And the, and the devil says, from roaming to and fro, looking around. And even in, in Matthew where I read that, he, that the spirit goes roaming around into the dry places, seeking rest, and he finds none. So that's also in that first scripture I read in Matthew chapter 12. Um, They are not omnipresent. In other words, they're not everywhere at the same time. Demons are not everywhere at the same time. They can be here, they can be there, but they're not everywhere like God is omnipresent. He's everywhere at the same time. He's with, with mud... What's his name over there? Kevin Mudcrab? What is it? <laughs> Mad Dog. Mad Dog. <laughs> and he's with me and he's with Asher down there all at the same time. He can be speaking to all of us at the same time. So he's everywhere at the same... Sorry, Mudcrab. <laughs> Maybe that's a good new name for you.
1: <laughs>
0: um, number seven. <laughs> They have spiritual boundaries. <laughs> All right. And in Job, we see where God places a hedge. Job chapter 1 and verse 10 God has a hedge of protection around us if we pray the blood of Jesus around our lives. God can put a hedge around you. So there are boundaries that the enemy cannot overstep. And that is the blood. Always plead the blood over yourselves and your family, your possessions, your life. Demons are intelligent, they have a plan They think about what they want to do And we read this in Matthew 12 verse 44 uh, Where it says, the demon says I will return to my house from which I came He's come up with a pretty good idea And when he comes he finds it empty and swept and in order And John 10.10 says that the thief comes to steal, to kill and to destroy He has a plan and his plan is to obliterate you He wants you gone out of the way. Um, Number nine, they are self-determined. They do not submit under Christ's kingship. They will not submit to Christ. They have to flee, but they will not say, okay, I'll do what you say. They just have to go. And we see that in Isaiah 14, 13 and 14. I will row... This is Satan. I will rise... My throne above the stars of God, I will make myself like the most high. His intentions is to be God, to rule and to have his way in this world. I, I, I. It's familiar, isn't it, that I, I, I? We start doing it ourselves. You know, I haven't had time for this. I haven't done that for myself. I haven't, I. It's, it's not of God. It's not of God. Our thoughts should always be God-centred. What would God do? What would God have me do in this situation? Um, number 10, they are possessive. The demon says, my house. He has a sense of ownership. We see that in Luke 21 to 22. They are relentless and persistent. He is an opportunist. He waits for the opportune time. In, in Luke it says that, that the devil sits at your door. He sits and waits. In Genesis it says that. He's an opportunist. He waits. He has plenty of time. And then, when Amen. your guard's down, he moves in. He makes his strike. Um, he is um, cooperative with other demons. They run in packs. They run in packs, these demons. So back to reference to that first scripture in Matthew chapter 12, talking about the house. So, when the demon finds a house unoccupied, that word stood out to me when I read this, when the house is unoccupied, that means when Jesus isn't on the throne of your home, of your heart, of whatever you're doing, when Jesus isn't first in your life, the devil sees that and he says, that house is unoccupied. Yes, it's swept and it's clean and it's getting in order, but it's unoccupied, like Jeff. Pastor Jeff said there's a spiritual void because you haven't filled it with God and so there's an empty space and when there's an empty space it's like a motel room with the neon sign flashing up above vacancies, vacancies it's a private invitation to say come on in, have your way in my life because there's no other kingship in here you come and have your way in my life so this man has swept his house and this is great The house has been freed of demonic forces and the chaos is gone. It's all settling down and we all know that um, But the vacuum is still there. So you've got to make sure that God takes that place. And this is what we all fail to do. When I said about making that priority list, if God isn't at the top of that list, then unknowingly we are leaving ourselves open to be targets of the devil He's sitting at the door and he's waiting. And we wonder why things go wrong, why things don't work out. Because he's an opportunist, he will not miss his, an opportunity. He's waiting for that door to open. Unoccupied, seems it means to have leisure for, to be available, to be free for. So you're making yourself free for demonic forces to come in. If God's in there, they can't come in. They they are subject to the name of Jesus Christ. They cannot come in. But if God is not on the throne of your heart and whatever you want to do, then there is availability for the house to come in. So the house is cleaned up. There's no demons. And all the chaos has gone with them. It's great. And the fellow says, I've got to clean my act up. This is a good thing. Isn't it a good thing when the drug addict gives up the drugs... The alcoholic decides to go to AA, get some help, get off the bottle. This is all good things. This is great. You know, the glutton? You know, we think that drugs and alcohol are the only sin in the world, but there's a lot more than that, you know? Gluttony is a sin. The Bible says that. The glutton decides you better tidy up and do a bit of meal portioning. That's a good thing. These are all good things, you know? The workaholic... And there's a lot of us who are workaholics, you know, finally recognises that if he doesn't change something in his schedule, then he's going to lose his wife and family. So what does he do? He rearranges his schedule, makes it more family-friendly. This is a good thing. The adulterer decides to break off that relationship that seemed to be so good at the time. And the spouse abuser reforms his way. These are all good things. Do you see this? His life is improved. But my point is, if God isn't at the centre of this, if it isn't God motivating you to do these changes, then that is moral reformation. And you will fall down. You will slide back. It will not last. And it will not be a permanent change in your life. The only permanent change in your life is when you put God at the centre of your life. And when you love God... And look to God. God will give you the desire to then change those things. And then when you change those things, it will be a permanent change because Jesus Christ is Lord of your life and you, all you want to do is do things that please and love him. You will do it out of adoration. You will do it out of, out of his sheer glory and, some, and majesty that you will just want to bow down and do those things and then you will have a lasting change. And so, Pastor Jeff has been talking about and great sermons on our vision and making vision and how we attain it and how we can maintain that vision. And the, and there are great sermons, but God has to be at the centre. So when you do New Year's resolutions, don't bother making a. Re- new year's resolution unless god has instructed you to do so and god is behind what you're going to do and then the holy spirit will come in god will come and they will reinforce they will strengthen you they will show you they will give you revelation they will give you vision and they will keep you on the path and you will want to be on the path and it'll be easy and there'll be no striving and struggling and at the end of the day you'll be fulfilled and happy and purposeful and satisfied because that's what god does This is transformation, and that's what God wants for us, is transformation, not moral reformation so we look good, bright and shiny on the outside like the Pharisees, but full of corruption on the inside, because unless God is at the centre of our life, we have nothing, not an iota, nothing, and then we go into self-indulgence and you say, look what I've done, I cleaned my life up. Well, you didn't clean your life up because it won't last. It'll fall back into disarray. The only time is when God cleans it up for you. Amen? And then you will live victoriously and then you will walk rightly before him. Let's go to John 4, chapter 4, verse 13 and 14. And this is the woman at the well. And Jesus said, whoever drinks of this water will thirst again, meaning the well water. But whoever drinks of the water that I shall give him will never thirst, but the water that I shall give him will become in him a fountain of water springing up into everlasting life. Jesus Christ is our fountain of water. Have you ever seen a spring that perpetually flows from the ground? It never dries up. Have you seen the Artesian water basin where it just flows freely from the ground? Jesus said, I am the, the river of life that will spring up and will flow freely. You need not worry about it running out because it won't run out. It will just increase and multiply and get bigger and better. And the more you get bigger and better, the things of this world will fade away and Jesus Christ will be preeminent in our life. Amen? Colossians three sixteen and 17 says... Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns, spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. And whatever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Do all through Jesus' name. Julian, can you come to the key? We want to do things only in his name. We might have a good idea, but if it's not a God idea, then it's not a good idea. So let's stick with God. Let's, this in your heart today, now, and as Julianne sings this song, you know, if you want peace in your life, then Jesus is the Prince of Peace, amen? If you want a shepherd, then Jesus is the good shepherd. If you want a friend, Jesus is your best friend. He'll be closer than a brother to you, closer than a mother, closer than a father. If you need a husband today, Jesus will be that husband to you. He'll be a father to the the widow and the childless. Jesus is whatever you need, whatever you're lacking, whatever you're searching for in life. Jesus will fill that gap on the inside of you if you give your hearts to him. If you give your heart that innermost place, that heart speaking about the spirit, that innermost part that God has for you. You know, every town has its, its atmosphere, a spiritual atmosphere over town. That's why when you leave a town, you feel a, a weight lifted off you because you're coming out from under the prince demons that rule over that town. But I thank God that someone wrote on the stone out there at Gold Tower and and one of my sisters pointed it out to me and I went there and I read it and I encourage you, Kevin, if you haven't already, to go there. And where that big ball is with the world on it, if you read on the right-hand side of that stone, it has a salvation message, amen? And who on earth would put a salvation message for everyone to read? This is written over our city. This, these words are affecting the atmosphere over our city. Do you realise this? Those words are speaking all of the time and every person that comes through and reads what's written on that stone knows the Lord Jesus Christ and what is required of him. It goes on to say about how much gold is in charters' towers, but it talks about the gold that is in heaven. It talks about the returning of our soon-coming king. There is no excuse for anybody, if you haven't gone out, go out and read what's written there on the very foundation of our city. And like we pray every every week and throughout the week, this will one day be known as God's city, not gold city. Amen. Because it's beaking out all of the time. And the devil cannot come against that. He cannot come against it. He cannot come against your life if you have Christ seated on the throne. He will try. He will batter and buff you. But I want to tell you this morning that he cannot win. You keep focused on Jesus. And you will always come through. You will always come through the victory, the winner. So this morning as Julianne plays his song... I just want each and every one of you because I know because I'm one of you. We need to get our hearts right and we need to put Jesus back where he belongs. You know, my people perish for lack of knowledge. We do not even understand that God needs to be the centre, the very centre and the the one that motivates us to do anything and everything in our lives. Not just some things. Not just when it comes to church but everything. Even... Our motto this year is others. Put others first. Put others first, you know. Jesus said, if you've done least to the least of these, you've done the same to me. If we deny our brothers and sisters a blessing, then we're denying Jesus Christ. If we refuse to clothe someone, then we're refusing him. He wants us to change our mindset. The Bible says, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added unto you. You won't have to strive anymore. Just put Jesus back on the throne. Amen. Julianne, just lead us. And I just want to I just want to end in prayer before we go into this song. Father, I thank you, Lord, that you are Lord of all, that you are Lord of Lord and King of Kings. I thank you, Father, that you have only good thoughts towards us and you only want to give your children good gifts if only we would prioritise and put you on the throne on, in every decision, in every action of our lives. Holy Spirit, you are there to lead and guide us. Help us, Lord, to, to see this clearly in our mind's eye, that we can begin worshipping you. And when we begin to worship and lift up your name, then you will turn things around for us, then it won't be a chore and it won't be hard. You said, come to me, all you who labour and heavy laden, I will give you rest. We don't want to be like those demons roaming around looking for someone restless all the time, restless. You didn't mean that for us. You died that we would be set free. And when the sun sets us free, we will be free indeed. And we thank you, Lord. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen just let
1: me say how much i love you let me speak of your mercy